Well, good morning and welcome to Better Life Church. Man, it's so good to see you guys. Thank you so much for jumping in and joining us from all over the country, especially in this great region here in Eastern Kentucky. Guys, thank you so much for jumping in and be part of what God is doing right here. We're in this series called Killjoys, and I'm telling you what, God has really been using this series to speak into my own life, but before we jump into it, man, I got announcement to make. So just in case you didn't see it in the host or you missed it, starting on November the 1st, two things happen on November the 1st. I want you to write these down, two things happen. Number one, you get an extra hour of sleep because that's when you turn your clocks back. So you have no reason not to be here on time. You're gonna be early because you're gonna have plenty, plenty of sleep. For some people, they don't like that. Uh, not that they don't like sleep. They don't like it being dark like at three o'clock in the afternoon. So, but that's happening right now, November the 1st, right now. And also, we're gonna be meeting back in person. Come on out. I'm gonna clap. And by myself, I'm gonna clap anyway because I'm so excited. Yes, we have three people in the house today, but that's all right. But I'm so excited that we're gonna be meeting back in person. It's been way too too long. We're here to serve you. We're going to do everything we can to, to follow in, in suit, being safe and clean and secure, but also a great place for you to come and worship with the family. So going to mark your calendars, November the 1st. We're going to get right into the holiday season. And I'm telling you what, we're going to just believe that God's going to do some great things uh, getting the family back together. I'm so excited about that. Now, back into the series called Kill Joy. We kicked it off talking about pride. And honestly, at the end of the day, Every sin is rooted in pride. Every time you sin, it's because one, you choose to do this, uh, but two, it's, it's you believe what the devil has presented is better than what God has for you. Now, I know we wouldn't say that, right, when we blow up or we get angry, we slam a cabinet door, we say something we shouldn't say, but at the end of the day, if you could just unpack that, it's rooted in pride. All sin will lead you away from God, but pride tries to elevate yourself to be God to be above God. And then we talked about envy and the difference between envy and jealousy. And, and then we talked about anger. And some of you got really angry because we talked about anger. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Because it really strikes a chord, right? And that's one of the biggest things that a lot of times people just like, they, they, they justify their anger. They have the right to be angry. They talk to people in their lives to say, you, you, you deserve to be angry at him or her or whatever it may be. And we don't really deal with really what's behind it because anger is a secondary emotion and there's always something behind. Anger, there's always something there. And even we saw that in the scripture when, when God asked the question, why are you so angry? And then last week we talked about, I never preached on sloth before, and I'm telling you what, I thought, well, this is gonna be a pretty good one. I'm okay because I don't feel like I'm a lazy person. And, and what I realized and, and going through and really studying and diving into that text, that's laziness is just part of it. And, and we could be sloth towards the things of God, the, the purpose that God has for us. And I'm telling you, if you missed that one, go back and check it out. And now today, we're gonna to jump into a big one that really needs, needs no introduction. It, it needs no really example. It doesn't need a picture like last week of, of a sloth. This is the one, when I mention it, you automatically know exactly. In fact, you could go to the point in your life and, and understand when this has taken place. And really, at the end of the day, we're gonna be talking about greed. Oh, we're gonna be talking about greed. Are there any greedy people right now watching? Just, you can raise your hand. Anybody greedy? Come on, you're just greedy, right? You know you're greedy, right? I mean, come on. Hey, no one wants to admit that I'm not greedy. Like, where in the world does greed come from? Ever thought about that? Like, like who wakes up one day and goes, I just wanna be a greedy person? Now, you know greedy people, right? You're so quick to judge them. Why are you so greedy? Look at that person, so greedy. But you ever wonder where it starts from? Like, has anybody ever teach you to be greedy? Or is it just in your nature? 
Now, I don't know how many of you have kids. If you, you know, if you have kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. We have four kids, and you know, we, 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 when we raise them, they're all completely different. They're all as amazing as how they're different personalities. And it doesn't take long to really quickly, this beautiful, loving, unbelievable human being that God trusts you with, very quickly become the selfish, greedy little monster you ever see in your life. You, ever, you know what I'm talking about? Like you really don't really notice it so much with one. You can see that, they want it, and it takes them, but you get the second child involved, and you know what happens? You go tell them that that's their toy they're playing with, and all of a sudden what happens? Mine, right? Come on, you know this, right? It's mine. Like they don't want to share it, and, and you're like, they want to be selfish with the toy. And what do you say? Come on now, Johnny, share it with your sister, right? You do your very best. And if you're like my family, it's so funny. Even if the toy belongs to the older sibling, we give it to the young ones just to make it stop crying. Can I get a witness? Anybody in the house? You know what I'm saying? I don't care if it's yours or not. If it keeps her from crying, she gets it. Well, she gets it anyway because she's a princess and she's a little girl. She gets it anyway, right? And so we've passed that all the way down. I don't care who it is. If the kid's crying, they get it. And why not? That's mine. That's my toy. That's, that's mine. And what it is, that's a form of selfishness, right? It's mine. Now, who taught them that? I mean, no one really sits around and says, let me teach you, son, how to be selfish. Like, you will get far in life if you become this greedy, selfish person. You see, it's in our nature. You know, sin has entered into the world, and because sin has entered into the world, guess what? We're prideful. We're envious of other people. Sometimes we're slothful towards the things of God. Sometimes we get angry because we have issues that we haven't dealt with. And let me tell you, we get greedy. We get greedy. And so it really needs no introduction. When you talk about greed, I thought about that. I thought about the word greed, what comes to my mind. And like Scrooge McDuck or, you know, something like that. Like, you know, that used to be my favorite cartoon girl, DuckTales. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know if it's still out, but it was one of my favorite cartoons as a kid. And, and like, you watch Scrooge, like everybody call it Scrooge. Scrooge just holds on to stuff. And like when you think of someone greedy, you think of a hoarder, you, you think of somebody wants something, wants more, get more. You're like, get all you can, can all you get, and then sit on the can. You know, like do everything you can not to share it and give it away. You want to hoard it, keep it. You want to be greedy. You want to be selfish. You want to be stingy. You see, it needs no introduction because you automatically got a picture of what greed may look like in your life. But listen, greed is deadly. Greed can steal the joy that God has for you. And I know a little bit, it's like, oh, I'm just a little bit of covetous towards, I want to, you know, and that's even one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet. Like, want something with such a strong desire. In fact, that's what greediness means, is to want something so bad with such a strong desire that when you get it, you want to hold it, you want to keep it, and you don't want to share it. And I'm telling you, greed will steal your joy. It will kill the joy that God has for your life. And listen, this is the whole series. Kill joys, right? We don't want greed to kill the joy that God's put in your heart, that God has for you. And I know what Sammy's saying right now. Well, Pastor, I don't really have a lot of money. Well, you don't have to have a lot of money to be greedy. You don't have to own a lot of possessions to be greedy. It's the want, it's the desire, it's what's in the heart. Because the issue is, the issue is not what you possess, the issue is what possesses you. What is holding you captive when it comes to greed in your life? Let me give you really quickly some problems with greed, and then I'm gonna show you quickly two things. When I say quickly, that means 30 minutes probably with one each one. But anyway, I'm gonna show you two things, how we can battle greed in our life, because listen to me, all of us battle it, all of us face it, and we don't want it to steal the joy that God has for us. So if you're ready to get started, so let's go. Let's go, all right, here we go. Here's some problems with greed. It's not on the screen, but there's a few problems. One, it dishonors God. 
When you are greedy, I want you to know what happens. You dishonor God. And how does that bring dishonorment to God? Like, how does that bring dishonor to him? Here's what, here's what you're saying when you're greedy. God, I don't trust you. I don't trust you to provide for me. Because if, if, if I wasn't greedy, if I didn't hold it, if I didn't hoard it, if I don't keep it, if I keep it all to myself, then I plan for the rainy day, and the Bible talks about how we plan for the things that come in our life. There's nothing wrong with that, but you hold it with this deep, intense emotion that if I let it go, then God won't come through, that God's not gonna provide for me. So greediness, when you're greedy, it actually dishonors God. It's like God and all of his provision is not enough to satisfy your soul, the longing that he's placed within you. Here's the here's second problem, and this one's a big one. It's idolatry. Did you know that? That greed is idolatry. Like, don't, don't take more. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians 3, 5. So put to death the sinful, let's stop here, put to death, put it away, kill it, get it out. Because if you don't kill it, it's gonna kill you. It's gonna kill the joy. Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking around you. And folks, listen, this world is full of sin and it's, crou it's crouched at every single door trying its best to pounce on you, lurking all around you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Now, if we stopped right there, you would say, preach, man, that's right. We should have nothing to do with sexual morality. We should have a pure heart and pure motives. We shouldn't lust for the things. We'll talk about lust in this series as well. And we should not crave these evil desires. Absolutely. And then look what he says. Right with sexual morality, right with impurity, right with lust, he says, don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an adulterer. Why? Because you worship the things of this world. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're an adulterer, you ain't gonna have no joy. It's gonna steal the joy that God wants you to have in your heart and your life. And God knows that greed, greed will rob you from his best. It will rob you from what he has for you. So what do you do about that? How do I fix it? It really doesn't need a long, lengthy introduction. We don't need to go through what the Greek word and what the Greek and Hebrew word for greed means. You know it. It's, in, it's around us. You see it. Our culture, the American greed, right? You see it. It's the greediness of everything that's around you. How, how do you fix that? How do you teach that to your children to not to be selfish, want what they want, when they want, how they want it? It's even a parenting way. How do you do that? How do you parent your children that way? How do you, how do you, how do you model it to a community? How do you model it to a world that's so greedy, to a country that's so greedy, they want what they want? How do you do this? As believers, as children of God, how do we do this? Well, there's two things, and I'm gonna walk you through these. One is internal, and I think that's where it starts. It starts inside, and two, outside. There's some practical things we can do to combat this greed in our life. The first one that I wanna share with is contentment. This is really at the heart of the issue. The reason why we're greedy is because we're not content. We're not content with what we have. We're not content with where we live. We're not content with what we drive. We're not content with what our bank account is. We're not content with the accolades. We're not content with the level of leadership or position you have at work. You're not content with your grades. You're not content with the school. You're, I mean, we could go on and on and on and on. We're not content 
We want more, we crave more, we want bigger, we want better, we want faster. We, we're, we're like this microwave society and, and, and if he has it, then I gotta have it. And she gets it, then I gotta up them and have something better. And I know you wouldn't sit around and say, listen, I just want you to know I'm full of greed. But it will sneak up on you and the enemy will use those things to steal the joy that God wants you to have and finding contentment in him. Paul writes about this. In fact, Paul says in Philippians, he says, I know the secret. He said, if you wanna talk about being wealthy, I've had the abundance of stuff. I've had everything that I need and more. You wanna talk about being poor? I know what it's like, not even know where my next meal is gonna come from. This is the apostle Paul, who's following Jesus. He goes, I don't even know where my next meal is gonna come from. I don't even know if I have a place to sleep. I don't even know if I'm gonna have room tonight to lay down, if I'm gonna sleep out under the stars or if I'm gonna stay at somebody's house. I don't know. I know what it's like to have abundance, more than enough, and I know what it's like to be in poverty, scarcity, and don't even know where my next meal is coming from. But here's what I found the secret. What's that? To be content. To be content in all things. Dude, when, I, when there's abundance, I'm content. God, thanks, that's cool. I don't need more, but thank you. To be in scarcity, to be impoverished, to be in poverty, I'm content because God, I still know you'll provide for me, you'll take care of me, and you have a purpose. He says, I know the secret. Now, I know what you're saying, how do you do that? I know you're thinking, how do you do that? He goes on and he says the great famous line, right? Here's the secret. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do, if there's abundance, I can be content because Christ strengthens me. If I'm impoverished and I've had nothing and I don't even know where my next meal is gonna come from, I am, and my strength will come that I know through Christ, he will provide for me. So the apostle Paul says, here it is, here it is. You need to be content with what you have. And when you're not content with what you have and you feel like God owes you more and you want more, then all of a sudden you begin become greedy, and you'll do whatever it takes to get what you want because you believe you deserve it. Instead of saying, God, I trust you. God, I'm gonna be content in what I have. I'm gonna be content. Yeah, I know the world might say this, people say this, and friends say this, and everybody has it, but I'm gonna be content with what you have given me. This is what Paul writes to young, this young preacher, Timothy. He says in 1 Timothy 6, he says, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Did you see that? True godliness with contentment, your content, is great wealth. You don't need more, you don't have to have more. It's great wealth in itself. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world. You didn't bring anything. And we can't take anything with us when we leave it. I will tell you this though, you can't take it with it, but you can send it ahead of you. I'll show you that just in a moment. You can't take it with you, but you can't, you can't Take it as you go, verse eight. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Let us be content with what we have. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. And then when the most misquoted verses in all the Bible follows here in verse 10, this is one of the most misquoted verses you hear people say all the time. And the verse says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So be content. Now leave that up just for a moment, that verse. Because here's what people says. Money is the root of all evil. 
People who, who don't have money or, or people who think they're trying to take advantage of people who have money, they go, you know what, money's the root of all evil. You usually hear somebody says that who doesn't know how to manage their finances or they're broke or they're jealous or they're greedy. They'll quote that. Well, you know, money's the root of all evil. No, 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 it's not what it says. It says the love, the desire, being uncontent, wanting more is the root of evil. Money is neutral. You take money and you put it into a godly person's hand, they're gonna use it for good and advance the kingdom, it's gonna be great. You take that same exact money and put it into an evil person's hand, they're gonna use it for destruction and they're gonna destroy and they're gonna hurt people. Money's neutral. There's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. The problem is, is when the stuff has you and you're not content and you want more, you see? He says, listen to me, young preacher. Listen to me, Timothy. Watch out for the love, for the love of it, the desire. I gotta have more. I need more. Is the root of a lot more evil things that can happen in your life. And that verse is misquoted all the time. And what happens is people, especially outside of the church world, or greedy, stingy Christians, want to use that verse to bash other people, other churches, when people start doing things and being generous and giving away, going, well, they're all about the money. They're all about the money. And then they make the statement, for money's the root of all evil. I'm like, you just misquoted the verse. That's not what it says. Because money is not evil. It's your heart's desire for it that can lead into sinful, evil patterns for your life. Listen to what Hebrews 13, five says. Keep your lives free. From what? From the love of money, okay? How? Be content. Just be content with what you have. Be thankful for what you got. Work what you got, right? He says, listen, be content with what you have because God said, and watch this, we quote this verse all the time and we don't understand the context of where it's come from. He said, he will never will I leave you nor will I forsake you. You know when we quote that verse is people going through hard times in their life. Somebody's going, man, I just don't sense God's with me. Well, brother, he says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. You know, I'm just going through a hard time with this sickness in my life. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. That is true. He will never leave you nor forsake you. But if you want to put that verse in context, what he's trying to say, the things that you look for, the being not content, when you want more from the world, when you're greedy, when you're selfish, when you're stingy, when you want more because you think that your security and your happiness and your joy is found in more things and more stuff and bigger and better, I just want you to know this. No matter what happens in your life, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He even goes, it goes back to what Paul says. If you have abundance, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. If you have impoverished, if you have nothing, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So listen, just be content. Don't have to worry about what you have, what you don't have. Jesus goes on and says, why do you worry about this? Doesn't look, look what my heavenly father does. You see these beautiful lilies? Does he not clothe them? You see that bird? doesn't know maybe where it's gonna get its next meal, but do you know that God provides for that bird? Are you not more special than the lilies, than the birds? I know that, God, I know that, but my heart, what? Trust him, trust him. And so internally, if you want to beat greed inside of you, you have to get to the place in your life to be 
content. And you gotta make that conscious choice. No one can make you. No one can force you. In fact, everything around you is against you. Every advertisement, every time you see a commercial, every time you see an ad, everything is getting bigger, better, faster, more, help you, help this, get this, got that, lose this. It's all about, watch this, watch this, you not just being content. And that's a battle that you will face until you breathe your last breath on planet Earth. So as we look at the scripture, one way that we begin to fight greed internally is you got to make a conscious choice. I'm content with what I have. I'm content. It's, I'm content. And you have to make that decision and no one can make it for you. And then the external part of this. How do you practice this? How do you practice being content? How, how, how do you practice not being greedy? And the answer to that is generosity. Generosity is the antidote. After, after you've decided in your heart you will be content, then generosity is the antidote. Because there's people who can give money and do things and help and still be greedy because I want more, want more, want more, want more, want more. So just by giving it does it always just fix that heart? You have to purposely choose first inside. You know, I'm content and therefore I'm willing to bless. The reason why God blesses you is for you to be a blessing to other people. The reason why you have more than enough is not for you to hoard it. It's for you to bless other people. Did you know that? God said, I'm gonna bless you more than what you need. Why? So that you can bless the people around you. Not that you can build bigger barns and store it, not so you can hoard it, not because you come Scrooge McDuck and, and get greedy. It's because I want to use you to bless the people around you and to advance my kingdom. So one step of practice, you know, one step of practicing and getting rid of this in our life is one, choosing contentment, but two, being generous. And, and, and I'm going to share with you just really quickly a few things to be on the screen and then we'll close. What are some things that generosity does in your life? and how it can restore the joy and how it can impact the people around you. The first thing is that generosity honors God. Like generosity honors God. Remember I told you that greed dishonors God? Generosity honors God. And listen to what he says, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 9. You will be glorifying God through your generous gifts. That when you give, you glorify God. Your generosity will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. Do you know that when you're generous, it honors God? When you have the right heart and motive? Do you know that when you're generous, it advances the kingdom? Do you know that? So when you see somebody in need, and we're about to get into a season where people are in need, and because of the church's here generosity, folks, listen, when we just went through this COVID stuff and we're still in the middle of it and it's advancing, so many people needed help. And you know what? This church stepped up and helped people. Around $30,000 was given back to help families in this community and in this region to help them right in the middle of a crisis. How is that possible? Because of generosity, because of people like you. And you may not even know this, and we say this all the time, you don't give to the church, you give through the church, and God used this church and used us to, to minister to a broken community in this region. Why? Because of you, because of your generosity. And when you do that, the Bible says, when you give with a pure heart and a right motive, guess what happens? You honor God, and God gets the glory, and God gets the credit through your generosity. 
Another thing about generosity is this, it draws me closer to God. Did you know that? When you're generous, it draws you closer to God. It pulls your heart closer to him. Jesus says in Matthew 6, it says, for, your, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. You know, this is another misquoted verse. See, a lot of people said, for where your heart is, then your treasure follows it. It says, where your treasure is, then your heart will follow it. And when your treasure is, I gotta get more, I gotta have more, when your treasure's in your bank account, when your treasure's in your accolades, when your treasure's in your retirement account, when your treasure's in the economy, when your treasure is there, your heart then will follow after it. When you place your treasures to advancing God's kingdom and into the things of God and blessing people who just need some food and need some water and the poor, do you know that when you put your treasure there that your heart begins to follow and it honors God and it's closer, it draws you closer to him? Did you even know that? And so one way of getting closer to God, watch this, is being generous to the people around you. And folks, we just take a moment, look around, there's people all around us in need. And if the church could just step up and be the church, I'm telling you what, we can make the biggest impact in our region and on our region, in our world, and in our entire world. I mean, if every person who's a Christian, who claims to be a Christian, actually would be obedient to what God says and would tithe, I'm just being honest, if they would tithe, the church can solve world hunger in a week. In a week, we could fix world hunger. No one would go without any food whatsoever if the church just step up and be the church. But the statistic in reality is only 2% of those who call themselves Christians actually tithe. I mean, you see how the impact of the generosity that we could have if we'd just be obedient to what God has called us to do and what he wants us to do? But I want you to know, when you're generous, it would draw you closer to God. Here's the third thing. Generosity makes me more like Jesus. It makes me more like Jesus when you're generous, when you give. John 3, 16, what does it say? For God so loved the world, what did God do? He gave his only son. And sorry, I've only got one son. I'm not gonna give him up for you. No, I'm gonna be generous. I'm gonna be so generous, I'm gonna give you my very best. I'm gonna give you my, first. I'm gonna give you my very best. I'm gonna give you my one and my only son. And when you're generous, it makes you more like God because God was generous when he gave his son for you that whoever believes in him you will not perish, but you will have eternal life. God gave his son and died for you so that you could live. You know how generous God was? You know this morning when you woke up, the Bible says that God's mercy and grace was new for you today. Do you know how generous God is to give us grace and mercy when we blow it, when we make mistakes? And he still gives it to us because he's generous. You see, when you're generous, it makes you more like Jesus. He gave his life for you, for me. It's the most generous thing he could do. And he did it for you, and he did it for me. Here's the fourth one. Generosity is the cure for greed. Like, this is the cure. When you begin to be generous and bless the people around you, it begins to work in your heart and pull out that greed and that selfishness. I never forget my wife and I, when we got married, we, we talked about this. I was making $6 an hour with a four-year degree, 
graduate from college, I thought when I graduate from college, sure, I'm gonna make more than $6 an hour, but that's what I was making. We sat down and we talked about now that we have income, we wanna honor God with our finances. We didn't have a lot. We said, we, 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 we're gonna start tithing. We're gonna do the right thing. And we made a decision. And we made a decision, this was 20 years ago, that we are gonna live a life with our hands open. And I remember talking to my wife about this. I said, we're gonna live a life with our hands open, and let me tell you why. So that God can put in, and so that God can send out. And so we literally pray with our hands and our palms up. God, everything we have is yours. Everything you've blessed us with is yours. It's not mine, I'm just a steward. I'm a steward of my family, I'm a steward of my house, I'm the steward of the things you've given me, I'm a steward over my checking account, I'm a steward over my retirement account. Every, I'm just a steward, it's all his. I wouldn't have it without him. And the moment you believe that you're some self-made woman, some self-made man, that you deserve it, you were greedy and you worked hard to get to the top to get what you can, the moment you get that in your heart, God's like, boy, I can take all this away from you in a heartbeat. So you might as well humble yourself with the posture that everything I have belongs to you. You want us to give it away, we'll give it away. You want us to bless people, we'll bless people. You just tell us where you wanna direct your resources. And we made a decision, we're gonna live with our hands open. And that one decision two decades ago has begun to work in our life over the last 20 years to break greed because we know it all belongs to him. But what happens is God will bless you and he'll put things in your life and all of a sudden when he does, you wanna hold it because you find your security in that house, in that car, in that job, in those accolades, in that degree, and you find your security and you hold on to it because you're afraid. What if I lose it? What if I don't have it? And that goes back to what I said earlier. It's because you don't trust God will provide for you. But if you'll keep your hands open, not only will God put in because he sees your posture but then he will direct you. I want you to do that. I want you to give there. I want you to bless them. I want you to help them. You give them some resources. And you can sit and say, God, it's all yours. And I'm gonna be very honest with you. It's one of the best decisions we've ever made as a family. It's one of the best things that we teach our kids in these principles. We live with our hands open. One that God can put in. And if you grab it, you're not sending it out. And everything you have will dwindle up. So God, it's yours. Everything I have is yours. How do you want to use it? What do you want me to do with it? I'm just the manager. And if you'll get to that point in your life and you'll get to that posture in your life, I am telling you what, God will send the resources to you, not so that you can have more, do more, get more. Like, that's great. There's some byproducts. So you can bless more. God blesses you to be a blessing. And then my last and final point is that generosity demonstrates my faith. It demonstrates my faith. It takes faith to say, okay, I finally got something. Woo, okay, God, it's yours. I trust you. My hands are open. I just got out of debt and I finally just got some things. God, I trust you. See, it demonstrates faith when you keep your hands open and you trust him. And really, honestly, that's what giving is all about. Because listen, God don't need your money. Like literally, like think about it. 
God doesn't need your money. He owns it all. The earth is his footstool, the Bible says. He don't need it. And he's not after your wallet, and he's not after your money. He's after your heart. And he wants to move in your life, and that comes by faith. So when you read a verse like this, and people get all typed sometimes about this, but it really, this is, the people who get upset about this is because they really don't understand it, and they never really truly practice it. But in Malachi 3.10, it says this, bring the whole tithe to the storehouse, to the house of the Lord where you attend. Tithe is 10%, don't get hooked up on 10%. I've talked about this for years. Ten just means testing. God wants to test your heart. I'm gonna see if you're really gonna keep your hands open. I'm gonna see if you're really gonna trust me to provide. I'm gonna ask you to bless people. I'm gonna see, I'm gonna test you. Did you know that tithing's a test? That's all it is, is a test. And every time we get paid and every time God blesses us, we are gonna be tested. Please hear me, you will be tested every time God gives you resources. And my question is, are you gonna pass that test? Like, this is all about a test. It's like, well, that's not fair, that's not right. Well, he's God, he can do what he wants. He's gonna test your heart. And it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And look what it says, test me. It's just a test. And see if I will not watch. Open up the floodgates of heaven. Pour out so much blessing into your hands that the blessing will overflow the storm. It'll just overflow. The moment I close it, I'm gonna stop the flow. Keep your hands open. I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna send you resources. Why? Because you see that person over there? They need a bag of groceries, and I'm gonna bless you to bring the manna and do it. Because I'm not dropping manna from heaven anymore. I'm just like, boom, magically, and there's some bags of grocery at that lady's door. I'm gonna wake you up in the middle of the night. I'm gonna put it on your heart. I'm gonna send the resources to bless you so that you can go and put the groceries on our front door. So you can buy that person's meal. So you can give to that charity. So you can go fill that person's car up with gas. So that you can bless that person when they need to be blessed. So you can buy that family that lost their, that, that they lost their home, help them buy some things back like their clothes. I am gonna bless you to bless other people. But that only happens if you keep your hands open. Because if you close it, I'll find somebody else to send my resources to to help them. And God blesses you to be a blessing. And I'm telling you what, there is nothing more joyful than to be able to give and to help people who need help. The greatest joy I've ever had is to be able to bless people. And I know what some say, it's, it's better to, to give than to receive. And then some say, I don't know about that. I like to receive. Listen, listen, I'm telling you, the joy that comes with a pure heart motive to bless people, can't put a price tag on it. And here's what God wants to say to you. I want to restore your joy by killing the greed in your life. And the way to do that is for you to say, I'm content, my hands are open, who do you want me to bless? How can you use me? As God sends you resources, he's gonna resource the things around him to advance his kingdom and to bless people. And I'm telling you what, there's nothing more joyful than be on mission and a part with God to bless the people around you. So don't let the devil steal your joy. 
Don't be greedy and stingy and selfish. We're about to go into a season that people need help more now than ever. Let's bless them. Let's be, well, I only got a little. Give it. What you need, this is the principle in the scripture, what you need, you should give away. Let me give you an example. I'm sorry, I know we're going over. Some of you right now, you need encouragement. You're just discouraged. I'm just so discouraged. Discouraged at work, discouraged at home, discouraged with my family, discouraged in my marriage, my kids don't listen. I, uh, you're discouraged. Let me tell you what to do. Whatever you need, give it away. Start encouraging people around you. Start to encourage the people around you. Well, I don't want to encourage people because I'm feeling discouraged. I just want to have a pity party for myself. I, wish, I just feel discouraged. Start encouraging people. Because what you'll find out, what you give will come back to you. Say so like, man, I don't feel loved. I just don't feel loved. I don't feel like somebody loves me. I just don't feel like you know, people care about me. Start loving and caring for other people and see if it doesn't come back to you. You see, what you need, give it away. Give it away. So it's like, well, I don't have a lot of money. I just don't have a lot. I don't know what to do with it. Then go bless someone. Well, I don't have it. I got to hold it. <laughs> I just talked about that. And that will steal your joy. Okay, God, I trust you. If you said bless them, I bless them. I don't know what's going to come from. And watch God. And it would not only demonstrate your faith, but it will build your faith. I'm going to be honest with you. As being a Christian since 1997, nothing has built my faith. Nothing has built my faith more than watching God ask me to do something and bless people and he provide the resource. Nothing has ever built my face more than that right there. Even launching this church and seeing what God has done in this region, it's been through generosity and blessing people how God has built my faith going, whatever he says, let's do it. And I want that for you. So here's what I'll ask you this. I want you to bow your head just for a moment. Examine your heart and ask yourself, am I greedy? Am I selfish? Ask yourself, am I content? Do I just always want more? Gotta have more. I got a lifestyle that I'm trying to provide for my family. I got a lifestyle that I desire. I've got all these accolades and dreams and goals and ambition. And folks, listen, there's nothing wrong with dreams and ambition. There's nothing wrong with planning. There's even nothing wrong with having stuff. But why? What's the motive? Is it to be a blessing? Or is it just for you. Are you content? Ask yourself, God, am I content? You know, one of the things I didn't share was one day generosity will really reveal your character. In Luke 16, I was going to use this passage, but I went a different direction today. It's, he says, if you are trustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you if you are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who would trust you with the true riches of heaven? He's going, if I can't trust you with the resources I've given you now, how can I trust you with the resources I want to bless you with in heaven? So let's test your heart. Let's see how you do. Come on, let's pass the test, man. Let's be a community of faith. Let's be a, a group of believers that are so generous, that blesses people in need. And let's watch God get all the glory, all the credit, and all the honor through our generosity. And maybe for you, what you need to do today is to receive the greatest gift, the most generous gift, and that is God's Son. 
And you can do that right now. You can pray. You can say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And as best as I know how right now, I repent of my sin and I put my faith in you. Thank you for your generous gift of salvation. Now help me follow you all the days of my life. You can do that right now. Pray it. Cry out to him. He knows you. I don't care if you're sitting on the sofa, walking on a treadmill, driving down the road. He wants to save you. And as you receive the generous gift of salvation and forgiveness, now go and live a generous life towards other people. So here's one question I'm gonna leave you with today. At your watch party, maybe, or if you're listening to this and you're by yourself, I want you to ask yourself this question. What's one thing you can do to be generous this week? And maybe you don't know right now what that one thing is, but maybe in your watch party, you can come up with an idea and you go, you know what, maybe this week, let's do this as a group. Let's do this as a family. Let's do this individually. And maybe you don't know exactly what to do, but would you then pray, God, would you open my eyes up to someone or some, something or some place that needs you and use me, Lord, to bless them. And then wait and see what he shows you this week. So let's ask that, ask that question, what's one thing you can do to be generous this week?